All right, episode eight, I think. It's been a while, I'm sorry. Of the Empty Moments with yours truly, Stone, up in Adam. I know it's been a while. I don't want to do that stupid stain song. I have the, uh, the notion, the inclination, said that word all wrong, but you know what I meant. I had the feeling. It was more than a feeling. Okay, I'll stop. But it's been a while. Uh, two reasons. And they kind of overlap with why I'm going to bring it up, because why would you care, is one, I've been studying for a certification I want to get, and I've been focusing all my creative mental energy on that, because I think you run out of energy, you know? Time is relative, but energy is, you know, it changes based on the person. We all, each of us have 24 hours a day, but energy it changes per person, you know? Like the 600 pound person that can't get out of their bed, just reaching over for the controller and wiping off the Cheetos off their really stained shirt, that's a lot of energy for them. But for you and me, that's an average Tuesday at 7.13 at night, right? But, you know, I'm belittling the point. And reason two, simply put, I had no idea what the hell I wanted to talk about. There's been nothing that really interested me. I mean, I could talk about politics and the conventions, but bleh, like, who cares? I mean, I care. I'm not saying I don't care, but like at the same time, you kind of know what people are going to say about that. Either you're lefty or righty, and you can be um, unbiased, but at the same time, it's kind of hard to be 100% unbiased nowadays when it comes to politics. And I can't be unbiased because I have an opinion and there's one opinion I'm more favorable with right now than the other, and I just don't want to do that. And then boom, yesterday, around 2 p.m. Western Standard Time, I'm just curious, I'm checking out what the uh, the Bucks and Magic game score is. Like, I wasn't gonna watch that game. Man, it's been great. I'm gonna talk about the NBA if you can't check by the title. And before I really, 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 really get started, Check me out on Instagram, The Empty Moments. Feel free to hit me up if you critique what I'm about to say. If I'm, if you say I'm wrong, if you say I'm right, if you say you're kind of wrong and you're kind of kind of right, which is very possible. That's not something people do enough of either. You can be wrong and right at the same time. There's something as meeting in the middle, which people don't do enough of nowadays. But I belittle the point. Say that again too many times in three minutes, but it's okay. Whew. It's been a while and I'm uh, energetic. I'm happy to do this again. Because I've been wanting to do this for the last few mi minutes, days. And I just blank, you know? You know. I mean, what else can we talk about? <sighs> so yeah, back to the Magic Bucks game. And I was curious to see how much the Bucks would beat the Magic. So I don't see the Magic really doing much. They were lucky to win game one. Maybe they'd win game five, but who cares, you know? Like, we all know the Bucks are going to ultimately win the series. So when I saw postponed, I was like, what? Postponed? I instantly thought of coronavirus. I thought somebody on the team got coronavirus. And I was like, oh, no. This is going to ruin so much. This might even ruin the bubble. It might ruin the NBA playoffs as a whole because these NBA teams, I know... For the most part, before the playoffs started, they had about eight teams per hotel. And if one 
person and one of the teams got it, it's very possible that it spreads to other teams. So I thought, well, this was fun while it lasted. But then I read about it, and then I read it was related to protest regarding to the Wisconsin shooting of Jacob Blake. And I was like, okay, all right, I get it. I mean, this happened in Wisconsin. The Bucks just happened to be the first team to play since the shooting. And it happens to be the best team in the NBA records-wise, not opinion-wise, that's for debate. But it also happens to be one of the most controversially disputed, divided cities in the country. So when I saw them postpone that game, I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense now. And then they postponed the Rockets and Thunder game, followed by the Lakers uh, Blazers game. And boy, was I not happy about that. But again, I get it. I understand the point they're going to make. I understand their opinion, their mindset. But there's only so much this can do. Because now the question is, as it's now day two of this protest, this strike, how long can and will this last? And I wanted to talk about this because I'm not a black man, if you can't tell by my voice. But I'm not a white man. I don't think you could tell I'm white by my voice, but it's harder to say. So I wanted to do this podcast because all I see, all I hear on all the sport platforms for the majority, the vast majority, like 90% plus, is I see older white guys talking about this, trying to relate. And then I see black dudes, for the most part, are former basketball players. So they have the insight much better than you and I, but at the same time, they might be too inside to really have an objective point of view to really calculate how this is happening and what's going to happen and what's the best outcome. Obviously, this is a worldwide event. And to say it's a worldwide event and you might scoff at that, you're wrong. George Floyd was a worldwide event. It built up. It took time. And now this, he didn't die, but he's probably paralyzed from all the reports they're saying. And this video is not as egregious, it's not so anger-ridden as the George Floyd video. So to compare one to the other, George Floyd is worse, but to even do that comparison is a fucked up situation. So I don't really want to go down that path much more further than just I did. So I was thinking about this. And I thought this would maybe be a one or two day thing, but I'm starting to get the vibe that it's not. So now the question is, how long can this last? Now it becomes a question of, what is an appropriate length for such a thing? There are some people who believe the playoffs are done. This is gonna cancel the bubble. And there are some people who think they should continue playing. Draymond Green of the, San Diego. I used to live in San Diego, whatever. Of the Golden State Warriors said this is not the right way to handle this. So there's one player, an active player, a black player, who isn't 100% on board with this statement. And I get the stance saying, I don't feel like playing basketball when somebody from my area, if you're on the Milwaukee Bucks, gets shot in the back seven times unjustifiably. Is it unjustifiable? 
It's extremely over-the-top, relentless. Seven shots for one officer. The clip has eight bullets, so he went all about it. It's a miracle he didn't die as far as I'm concerned. He gets shot seven times, point blank. Man, that's hard to even survive such a feat. Um, but, so, the, the NBA has, a, has embraced this Black Lives Matter. It's on the court. Every single game since the NBA restarted in this bubble has it. Very big in the middle of the court. Black Lives Matter. All the players, before the game start, when they're doing the national anthem, take a knee, and they're wearing t-shirts, Black Lives Matter. When they're on the bench, even if they're bench players, or the stars are on taking their break, and the bench players are now playing, they're wearing that shirt the vast majority of the time that says Black Lives Matter. So, for the NBA to take the stance to protest, more the players, not the NBA itself, the players are enforcing this, I'm not surprised. It's in line with what they've been doing. It's in line with how the NBA wants to treat this worldwide event. But why is the NBA doing this? How come no other sports really doing this? And it's all about the numbers. It's all about NBA players, for the most part, the vast majority of them are black. MLB's playing right now. Baseball's happening right now. I ain't watching, but it's happening. There's a quality amount of black players. I don't know the percentages off the top of my head. I can easily Google this as I'm talking right now. But you know off the top of your head, I'm going to guess it's like 35%. It's definitely not the majority of players like in the NBA, which is probably 75, 80% black is what I'm guessing. Players, MLB back players percentage. It's like the first thing that pops up, which is uh, kind of weird. That's like the first thing when you put MLB black players not like which one's the best or something wow wow I am okay 7.7 percent wow I was so off I thought it'd be a lot more than that that's shockingly low wow I'm like I'm I'm taken back with how low that is considering the U.S. population is what like 10 percent 12 percent black and baseball only has 7.7 percent of black players how is that even possible there's so much you can dig into that with that percentage but i don't want to go there uh let's see nba black percentage 74.4 so i was pretty close with 80 percent 75 percent and a lot of those players that aren't black are european so they're not american so they've dealt that's something you know tony kukoc and the michael jordan doc they talked about that and he felt they thought he was soft Dude, he came from Eastern Europe. He dealt with wars. A lot of these Eastern European players, they may look soft because they're not very muscular. Because guess what? The diets out there, they don't have weight rooms like we do. They use like weird stuff. I've seen it in person, so I'm not trying to categorize and talk out of my ass. I have seen it in person. I have worked out in Greece. I know that's not Eastern Europe, but you get my point. They use rusty machines. They use really funky stuff that if it was at an american gym for the most part of america we would be laughing at it and say this isn't up to standard is that every gym in greece no but it happens i've been in other gyms internationally and it's funky so to say they have the same level of equipment and standards as america when it comes to fitness is just not correct now the top tier players like luka Doncic, yeah i mean he had access to the top tier but people middle of the road no 
You're paying just as much as we pay and you get quality level, lower quality level. So I'm belittling the point back to what I want to talk about. So what's the NBA do now? Now this is two days of playoff games canceled. And it's been three games, two games a night. So this is TNT, ABC, ESPN that are losing revenue from not playing live sports because live sports get you the best ratings now and better than ever percentage-wise as you can get. No one's really watching TV. You don't get 40 million people watching anything anymore. The NBA is lucky to get 3.5 million on a playoff game if it's not two marquee teams. I think I saw uh, the ratings last week. It was about 2.5, 3 million people, which is a strong share of today's times. But if you go back 15, 20 years ago, that's horrible. If the NBA was getting 3 million people watching on a playoff game, that would be considered a abysmal number. So what do the NBA do now? They kind of position themselves in a corner to me because the players have a players union led by Chris Paul. And now they're placating, they're stating, we don't feel like it's the right thing to do. We can't play. It's weighing heavy on our hearts. And I get it. And a lot of these players, they might not be very well known because they know how to handle it. They've actually received training to how to handle a police interaction. Because you have to remember, every basketball player makes at least a million dollars. Okay, at least roughly the the veteran minimum let me look this i think it's like eight hundred thousand off the top of my head is okay it goes based off how many years you've been in the nba so let's say you're right off you're a rookie you were undrafted you weren't signed a team takes a chance on you they're willing to sign you for one year you get nine hundred thousand and after that first year the minimum you would get for a contract is $1.145 million. So right off the bat, after a year, you're a millionaire. And obviously it's heavily taxed and obviously you have to pay your agents and other things. So you're not going to get a million bucks. But let's think about that. How much do you make a year? How much do I make a year? How, much would it, how many years would it take us to make $1.45 million? Think about that. So if these are very wealthy black men, and unlike baseball and even football, especially football, you know who they are. There's nothing covering their faces. Their name's on their backs, and there's only 12 to 15 players on a team, especially in the playoffs. The rosters don't go deep. They stick to 8 to 10, depending on the team. So these are famous, wealthy, very marketably repped players. And they have a message to make. And now more than ever, you don't really see, you don't really hear NBA players getting in trouble like they used to. Why? Back to the training. NBA players aren't doing stupid shit like how they used to back in the day. You don't see the Antoine Walkers declaring bankruptcy despite making, what, 80, 90 million in his career. They're better trained. The NBA realized not training their players to be financially responsible created a bad reputation for the NBA. They spent extra money making sure that, because it looks bad on the NBA. The players, okay, they look like a lottery winner who doesn't know how to spend money, who cares about that. 
moments time and time again. It's not a one-off. It goes back to the NBA, and it's like, what are you doing? How come you're not taking care of your players? You might be paying them. You're helping them in the wallet, but you're not helping them in life. So you got to think about this kind of stuff. And in the training, I'm taking for, for the certification I, I want to get to better my life. They categorize a business and organization in three things. They categorize it into environmental, social, and corporate governance. What's that mean? That means how a business handles these kind of factors. How does a business handle environmental stuff? The NBA, environmentally, it's low. They're playing basketball. But let's say the NBA was using trains to travel for some strange reason. So the planes, I don't know why they would do that. But let's say the trains are emitting nothing but coal and they're just polluting the hell out of everybody. It's a very extreme example, but I can't think of a good one. So that would be an example of environmental. Governance is regarding what I mentioned, taxes. Let's say the NBA was like, we don't want to pay the same amount of taxes that we should. I hear that the NFL and MLS and MLB, they're doing these tax evasion tactics where they're setting up shell corporations in the Virgin Islands and they're paying a lower tax bracket. That is what I mean. And the last thing is social working conditions, health and safety, which has come up, hence the NBA bubble. And lastly, a good example is employee relations and diversity with and or local communities. So now this social aspect is paramount for the NBA because they've put this as a priority on their platform. It's on the fucking court. So to pretend like it's not is absolutely ridiculous. So now they have businesses, they have contracts with vendors, suppliers. They don't really give a damn about black lives. And that's the point they're trying to make with the protest. They're trying to placate the owners of these teams are billionaires. They have access to really important people. I mean, LeBron James is probably the most famous NBA player today. He's making 40-something, 50-something million as an NBA player, and I'm sure he makes a lot more with uh, shoe deals and advertisements, but he's nowhere near the level of the Bus family who own the Lakers. So these owners are ultimately the people in the NBA that have the most sway. So these owners are losing money with the players striking. But you have to think about it. Does every player want to strike? Let's say you are that veteran minimum, you know, that making 1.145 million. One and a half, let's make it easy. Making that one and a half million. You're, you're one year in, you're like, okay, I've been playing well. Uh, I think I'm going to continue doing better. I think I got my stride. And I'm hoping I can get a bigger contract next year because this one is great. But it's not life-changing for the rest of my life money. It's something I can could, I could live off it for a long time if I live the way I typically do. But if I get a four-year deal making $32 million, making $40 million, 
making 70 million, it's very possible to make that much. And you don't even have to be the best player. You could be in the middle of the pack player on the team, a starter, role player, fourth, fifth per best person on the team, and you can make 15 million easily. Well, based off before COVID salary scale, it's going to be lower now. But you can make 10 million and be a good, not great player. I think that's still going to be valid after COVID. So let's say you're there. Your contract's about to end because contracts are still going to end with COVID. That, you know, things aren't going to just be put on hold. So you're making that 1.5 million and your contract's about to expire. What are you going to do? They're going to look at your numbers. They're going to say you're playing well, but, you know, things happen. The season shut down. We don't know if we want to pay you long term. I mean, we like you, you have potential, but we're not willing to pay what you're asking for, what you're looking for, because you don't have enough on your resume, just like any one of us. Take on, okay, here's my resume. You don't get paid based off potential. You get paid off what you can do. What is the likelihood of producing what you think you can produce? And to limit this by ending the season, hurts a lot of younger players. Then you got the top tier players. You have the LeBrons, the Lillards, the, why am I blanking? Kawhi, but Kawhi's not gonna say much. He doesn't say anything, he's a robot. You got the key players, Anthony Davis, I'm trying to think of other, Giannis obviously with the Bucks. What are they gonna do? They're making 40 million plus a year. So they kinda have to be the voice. They have to say something because they're so wealthy and so well-known, they can't stay quiet. Even before all this, even before the Black Lives Matter movement got real built again, even before George Floyd, if something like this happened, the reporters would ask them, what do you think about this? And now this movement's really got steam. And they kind of placated this. They put it on hold. There are a lot of players who didn't want to do this. Kyrie Irving is the, the key player who thought playing basketball would sway from the movement. This movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, is more important than putting a ball in a hoop. But then again, money, economic ramifications from not playing. Kyrie Irving is a max player. He makes $40 million. He's made $40 million for years now. He doesn't need... He could take some time off. What about the younger players? What about the coaches? What about the staff? What about the ball boys? They got to get paid. They can't just sit on their ass at home all damn day. They don't have that luxury. So this is like the COVID situation all over again in a different, you know, circumstance. This is what people are fighting for regarding COVID. You have ideologies in dispute. And the same thing is happening regarding Black Lives Matter. Because so you have economic ramifications. You have the government ramifications which doesn't really apply in this situation because this is a voluntary compliance that the nba is applying upon itself but they have the social compliance and how far can the nba will will take this they could take it all the way if they want to they could just say fuck it we're done but who does that harm does that help the black lives matter movement bunch of 
what, 300-something NBA players. I don't know how many are left in the, uh, the playoffs. Some of them got knocked out, so there's probably 14 teams left times 15 players and staff. So, you know, 25 people per team times 15. I don't know, 300, roughly. It's not the most, but you have to think about the bubble they're in. You have to think about the hotel employees, the the caterers, the, the taxi drivers, the bus drivers. There's a lot of people that get indirectly get paid based off this bubble in Orlando. So what's going to happen? What do I think should happen? I mean, I'm not black, but I'm not white. And I have been persecuted, not the way a black person would be. But if I dressed a particular way, if I looked a particular way, if I spoke a different language, I would probably get harassed a lot more. So I conformed for years. So I wouldn't have trouble with the local police. So I wouldn't have trouble when I travel. Why? Because they're stereotypes. And these stereotypes lead to violence. They lead to negativity of that individual because these police officers are scared because they're buying into the stereotype that black men are violent and that's what happened here if you watch that jacob blake video it's very very obvious that police officer did not do the proper thing you do not allow someone to walk around a car and get inside. He said he used his taser and he used it wrong. It didn't work. He didn't say he used it wrong. And he said he didn't work. I don't want to explain why, but I've been tased. It's going to put you on your ass, even if it's kind of on. It's not something you're going to brush off unless you're on fucking bath salts. So to say he tried it and it didn't work, it means to me he fucked up. No if, buts, or that. He fucked up. He didn't shoot it right. He did something wrong. He wasn't charged. He fucked up, and there's no easy way to say that. The dude fucked up with the taser. So what did he do? He resorted to the next best thing, his gun, and used it seven times. He didn't shoot properly either. You don't shoot at someone in the back when you're an officer. You shoot to kill, not shoot, to maim. So he shot him seven times, point blank. What kind of training is this? Poor training. So there's a lot of fucked up things in that situation. So what's the NBA gonna do? I think they're, they're really caught in a, in a tough situation. I'm thinking they have to come back next week. You can't put the everything off for good. There's only so far you can take this before you really harm the product you're trying to sell. Because when I mentioned government compliance, that came up last year. That came up when Daryl Morey, the general manager of the Houston Rockets, ran his mouth about the Hong Kong situation with China. And the NBA backpedaled like never before. They got Hussein Bolt speed and backpedaled like they just won the Olympics. So they ran away from that topic, but they're embracing the Black Lives Matter topic. 
more than any other company I've ever seen in my life. Because they have to, to the, for the most part, because so many other players are all about it. But what are they going to do now? There's only so much you can do with a protest. And protests in the NBA have been talked about before. They've been talked about when Bo Russell, when MLK Jr. died. He wanted a protest. But the NBA wasn't black enough yet. It was a split from what I remember him saying. He said about four guys on the team wanted, were cool with not playing the game. But the other eight wanted to play. Why? Because there's only three to four black dudes on the team back then. The Milwaukee Bucks in particular have dealt with discrimination well before all this. There's a player who's making that minimum, who's making $1.564 million. I think he's a, a three-year player. So he got discriminated. He got into, he got tased, if I believe right, by the Milwaukee police. And he has a pending lawsuit. And he said they tried to settle this out of court. And for him, he's like, this ain't about the money. I make good money. Even though I'm making the minimum, still the minimum is more than 99% of people, right? 1.5 million. So he, a player on the team, has experienced police violence. Other players have experienced police issues, poor interactions. We just don't know about it. So what's going to happen? I think this is a good thing to do. But if they take it too far, then it's going to become a bad thing. Because nothing's going to happen over the next week. Even if they delay everything till things happen. It's been, what, five months since George Floyd? That officer has still not been arraigned. He still hasn't been charged. So what are you going to do, NBA? You put yourself in a tough situation. They have to justify things. I know the NBA owners are contributing, I believe, $30 million in total over the next 10 years for black uh, businesses and movements. That's great. Cool. What are you going to do now? Because now you have your networks losing money. This is one of the reasons why they restarted the NBA, so they can help the networks, the local stations too. They lose money. It's one of the main reasons why they restarted this, to get money back. So they're voluntarily not making money now. So how long is this going to last? How much money are you willing to lose the NBA? How much money is, is social justice versus economical? They're both important. Having happy employees is important for any business. And the NBA is no different in that aspect. But when your employees are asking for too much, you have to say no. And is the NBA capable of doing that? Led by Chris Paul and the Players Union. Are they capable of saying, we're done with the strikes. You need to get back and playing. Hmm. I don't know. It's like the Colin Kaepernick situation from years ago with the San Francisco 49ers. He got blackballed. That can't happen in the NBA because they won't, they won't put up with that. So what's going to happen now? I'm recording this on the 27th, 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. I don't know what's going to happen. But the NBA fan in me can't help but think that certain teams are benefiting from a few days rest. The Blazers. 
Damian Lillard, C.J. McConnell, pretty beat up. Dallas Mavericks, Luka Dantich, messed up his ankle. Porzingis has a sore knee. The Rockets, Russell Westbrook, I don't know what's going on with his leg, but it's messed up. Patrick Beverly with the Clippers, he has a bad calf injury. So there's some teams who are benefiting from the extra time off, helping adding time for their injured players, key important players, to get healthy. Because they've been playing every other game. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe the NBA is like, okay, a lot of these teams are getting run down. They don't like being in this bubble, but at the same time, we're really pushing it, playing every other day. Maybe that's another reason. Give them a break. And also placate this message. Is that the contrarian in me saying that? Probably. But you have to look at everything from all sides. And that's why I wanted to do this episode. Because I think I'm capable of looking at everything from all sides. Because I'm not white. I'm not black. I'm tan. And I think it's important to say that multiple times. Just in case you don't get that. Just in case you think I'm just some schmuck who has white privilege. I don't have white privilege. Never have, never will. But I'm not black either. So I can't fully, 100% truly understand the plight that black men and women deal with on a regular basis. But on a lower level, I have dealt with discrimination. I have got bad looks. I have been picked on for the way I look, for the way I was born. Things I can't control. So I get it. So now it's up to the NBA. How far are you willing to take this? There is always a risk and return. Supply and demand. Think of those kind of scales. Right now, I think it's an upward trend. But if they continue this for a couple weeks, guess what? People are going to stop caring about the NBA. They really are. People are going to find something else to watch. That's what life is. You move on. You say, okay, NBA's over. Cool. That's what Draymond Green's point is. People are not going to watch. They're just like, okay, this is the platform. People are watching to watch the NBA. Live sports, there's not much else to watch right now. Use this platform to put the message out there. I know it's hard. I know this is on your mind. Be who you are. You are still an employee of the NBA. You can't be a regular person and just not show up to work. I can't do that. I mean, obviously I'm working from home, but if I was still in the office... I can't just be like, I don't want to go to work today because somebody got shot in Milwaukee. What? What? I can't do that. But I'm not rich. I'm not famous. So it's, it's not the same. But it's also not 100% different enough to not work, to protest at work for something that your employer didn't do. It's not their fault. But is it a big enough movement? For your employer to be okay with it? That's the question I'm asking. And it's a tough question to ask. And I don't think there's a correct answer. It's not a hard yes or a hard no. That's not. But there has to be decision made. I think there will be. And I'm hoping the NBA restarts in August, in September. Give the players a few days to physically heal, mentally Put the message out there to not feel like they're just 
basketball players. They're not just out there to be puppets for us fans watching at home. So they are individuals. Malcolm Brogdon, his grandfather, March with Martin Luther King. He is very invested in this movement. So for him, but I think the Indiana Pacers got swept, so it doesn't really matter. But let's say they let's say they didn't get swept. Let's say they're still playing. For him to play would be hard. Because he has a social responsibility to himself to do something. There's a lot of players like that. So, what do they do now? Hmm. That's the question, right? Stone says, never going to say that again. Third person, disgusting. Get back going next week. Get out there. Put the message out. Social media it. Advertise it. Get the owners involved. Talk to legislators. Talk to government officials. Because just sitting on your ass and protesting, that's not going to do it. The networks are just going to get fed up and just pay less. You make less in return. That's not the way to do it. So you got to make sure you're doing something proactive if you're not going to work. That's how what I do. That's what I'm guessing most successful people do. If something you hit a hurdle in life, you take some time to recover, to adjust, to heal. You get off off your ass. You say, okay, I can't be like this forever. I could. I could be depressed and kill myself. That's always an option, but it's not the good option, obviously. And depression has been talked about in the NBA recently. Kevin Love has brought it to the forefront. Paul George just recently said he's feeling down, didn't play well the first four games of the, the playoffs with the Clippers. Finally played well in game five, and he just said, I was kind of down, don't really feel like playing. It's hard to hear someone say that who's making the max deal of 38, 40 million, whatever he's making. But it's the truth. He was too truthful. A lot of people said, you don't want to be saying that to everybody, but he's getting, you know, crap for being too honest. I guess. I won't do that. So the NBA. I hope you're back next week. I think that's the best outcome. You made your point. You have really made your point. I don't want to say that again, but if you just canceled this, the, the rest of the playoffs, I think that's an over-exaggeration. And there's going to be long, long-term ramifications for doing that. And I don't want ramifications to placate the NBA because there's a lot of people who are just not watching the NBA because people want to escape life, politics, racial injustice when they watch the NBA. So there's two and a half, three million people watching are okay with that. But there's my, probably a good percentage of people who watch the NBA but don't want to hear the announcers dig deep into racial injustice, which they do during a free throw break, before and after a timeout. Sometimes they go on these these tangents. And then you see it on the court. You see it during the commercials. So it's not something you can avoid if you don't want to be a part of that life. So now the NBA is absorbing that, taking it on at a million percent. How long can you go at a million percent? 
before you give out, before the mechanisms start to fail. To me, things will get sour in a week. So by next Wednesday, officially one week since the postponement of the games, you got to get back on court. You got to do it. You can't just give up. It's not the right way to do this. Get out there. Be more vocal. Don't give a damn what people think. Don't give a damn about the opposition. Use your authority, your power, your presence, social media-wise. Placate to the owners. Tell them, you need to do this or we're going to strike again. We're back. We can do this again. That's how you get out there. Use your leverage. You're using it now, but you lose leverage the longer this goes. So that's all I've got to say. I hope you're still listening to uh, a tan man go on a tangent regarding his favorite team sport, the NBA. I love UFC. I love the NBA. But I'm all about the NBA the last couple years. And I get it. I don't disagree with the stance. But you can't stand on this stance for too long. That's my point. I haven't said it enough times. Thank you for listening. Feel free to reach out to me via Instagram. The Empty Moments. No spaces, no dots, no apostrophes. And uh, let me know what you think. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know if you agree or disagree with the NBA. I'd love to hear from you guys. I've had listenership interaction in the past with prior episodes, and I enjoyed it immensely. And I hope to continue that. And I hope you continue listening to my stupid ass. Thank you for listening.